Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Wednesday, October 21st edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. We have a ton to get into in this episode. Bill Meltzer going to join us in just a moment. Going to get into the offseason, uh, free agency around the NHL. Nolan Patrick signing his qualifying offer. Also, potential free agent fits like Mike Hoffman or maybe a trade target in Patrick Line. Also talk about Doc Emmerich, who hung up his headphones uh, from his NHL on NBC gig uh, this uh, past week, and uh, also a ton more with Bill Meltzer. So uh, let's get right to that conversation. A lot covered here with the Flyers insider. Here's my conversation with Bill Meltzer. Uh, very happy to have join us on this episode of Flyers Daily. Uh, we hear, we read his work on NHL.com. We read it at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and we read it at HockeyBuzz.com. And all-around good guy Bill Meltzer joins us. Bill, there's a ton to get into. How you doing, first of all? I'm doing great, Jason. Thanks. Are you going through the same kind of withdrawal that I'm going through right now? Because uh, as I was out yesterday morning and trying to get out of the house this time of year, the weather's so gorgeous, the leaves are changing, and it's usually the beginning of a hockey season. I'm having a hard time, despite the fact that I know that we're in the middle of a pandemic and they just handed out the cup a couple weeks ago, but I'm having a hard time reconciling the fact that that the NHL season's not started right now. (laughs) It's yeah, me too. It's, it's really a strange thing because, as you said, ordinarily, you know, other other than the years when there have been other reasons for work stoppages at the CBA, primarily, you know, we're usually, uh, you know, a little bit of the season now. You've you played your had your first road trip. You've had your home opener. We're talking about who's off to a quick start, who's off to a slow start, and you know, here we are, you know, a couple months away from uh you know from training camp let alone the start of the season so it's it, it's a weird it's a weird feeling there was all that flurry of activity between the finals and um you know the draft and the start of free agency and you know yeah you always had a little bit of a lull after the opening days of free agency and we we hit that but it kind of hit me all at once yeah and that, like we're used to august kind of being like okay everybody's kind of going to go away and we're going to come back and we're going to start this marathon and yeah. Um, I guess part of that too, maybe is knowing when you're coming back, obviously in a normal year we go, okay, training rookie camp's going to start on September 10th. Uh, all, all players are reported by the 15th first preseason game on the 21st or 22nd. And you're going to play, you know, seven to nine games in 12 days, and then you're going to start your season, but we still don't know the start date yet. Uh, I know Gary Bettman, the commissioner has mentioned, uh, January 1st as the target. Uh, I've heard some other reports and seen some reporting that January 15th is more likely, uh, but the commissioner likes January 1st. The NHL likes January 1st, and they've done a good job claiming that as their day with the Winter Classic. Obviously, a Winter Classic may not be in the cards, but how important do you think it is for Gary Bettman uh, for that January 1st date and at a minimum January 15th? Well, uh, if the target is still to get in, 82 games, if at all possible. Gary Bentman, you know, said it, it's possible that it won't be 82 games, but he would still really like to. I know the Board of Governors would really like that, particularly, you know, particularly with the flat cap. Of course, there's the also the consideration of when fans could be in the stands again. Um, you know, January 1st may not be may not be that time, but I, I think that um, you know it, it's. One side, one side pulling one way, the other side pulling the other way in terms of when you can realistic, realistically start it. Uh, on the flip side, you know, if you go, if you drag much beyond January 15th, the latest, 
you know, we might be looking at another 48-game season as there were in some of those lockout years. If you really do want to start, you know, the 2021-22 season back on a normal schedule, it almost has to be that way if you don't want to go into, you know, deep into the summertime again. So I, I think that that is a, a pretty important timetable to be able to start then if possible. But, I mean, listen, you know, as we as we said back back in March even, you know, there are bigger things at play than just hockey here. And, uh, you know, they don't entirely decide their own fate. So, you know, I, I think that that's still certainly the target. I, it, for if, you know, I, I think they've learned a lot in, in terms of what's gone on over this, it'll be, I guess, 10 months by that point. But, you know, but I, I don't think there are any certainties. But I do think that in terms of getting back in a normal, you know, in a normal hockey season, off season, and, and the season beyond that, I think that is, pretty important to begin you know relatively on time to the target date they've set but could there be a situation i was talking with somebody and we were kind of spiffballing about this could there be some owners maybe in markets that you know where these owners don't have such uh deep pockets per se or maybe their other businesses aren't doing well as a result of the pandemic where they would almost say we want to play less games because if we play 82 we can't prorate salary and the more games I play in an empty building, I still have a lot of the same overhead with what I got to pay the guys participating in the game that, Hey, a 60 game season or 56 game season would be more palatable. And the later we start is even more palatable in a lot of ways, because that ups my chance of having at least some fans generating some revenue from selling sick tickets. Well, possibly. I mean, I think that that may be part of the thinking too, but I mean, let's, let's not kid ourselves in terms of, of you know the Stanley Cup playoffs, we just had a lot of that had to do with obligations to your, you know, to your TV rights holders, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, getting getting in the you know getting in the necessary games. I mean that that's a big piece of it too. There is uh, there is the revenue sharing piece as well. Um, now there is the you know, hockey related revenue that the players are cut in on, and there's the total revenue also. You know that the uh, the, the more of interest to the to the owners. Of course, the figures in with the players as well, too. You know, not not 100% of it, but I, I think that I think that in terms of, I think in those terms, uh, you know, there there is still interest in trying to get in as many games as they possibly can. Um, but in terms in terms of overhead, I agree with you. And of course, the flip side of it too, from the from the NHLPA side, uh, you know, listen, there's so much money tied up in escrow this season that uh, you know that that's a that's more of a short-term thing that, that uh, I don't think they want the year after year after year, um, particularly with the capping capping flat for again at least a total of three seasons here. It seems like so I, I think there's a there's a lot of motivation, but there's also I mean, again there's also bigger factors at work. The uh, you know there's there's the safety piece of it for everybody and and just just being able to get back to some semblance of normalcy, even if it's a different kind of normal. Um, you know, I, I, it sounds like it sounds like it's a possibility that it might be some kind of regional divisional structure just because of the issues with crossing the border. Uh, so just the Canadian American piece of it, and then there's the regional piece of it too in terms of, of travel. So if you are playing a regional schedule, if it does work out that way, that does cut overhead there too, and also you know also fewer people being sent to travel to games. Uh, that's something that that's something that they're dealing with league wide, sending fewer people on the road. Yeah, that, I mean, we people often, we don't think about that component. You know, the Flyers, when they play on a Tuesday night game at the Wells Fargo Center against Columbus, and then they got to go Wednesday and face uh, St. Louis 
uh, on, on right. that night, Wednesday night. I mean, that, that's a hundred thousand dollar trip, <laughs> you know, to, to pack yeah. everybody up, send them out there. And then, and then you send them back home. It's, you know, that sometimes you got to look at it and go, okay, while we're in an area, let's make the juice really worth the squeeze from a financial standpoint. I think they're looking at all of those different factors right now, yeah. for sure. Um, Bill, um, one of the, uh, the biggest voices in the game and Doc Emmerich decided to hang up uh, the headphones. Um, I think this has been rumored to that, that he was slowing down and, and wanted to get to this point. Uh, maybe the pandemic accelerated that process. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, make no mistake about it. He has been a huge part of hockey for a long time. And even though maybe I wasn't his biggest fan in the way he called games, um, he was an absolute gentleman, a total pro. And, you know, a lot of people won't really recognize hockey without him for a period of time. No, you know, and in, in, in Philadelphia, we, we've been really blessed with, with broadcasters, regardless of the sport, you know, but, but in hockey, um, you know, Gene Hart to, uh, to, to Doc and then to Jim Jackson. And that's just on the TV side of things, you know, it, it uh, I mean, Doc was here with the Flyers for 13 years, and the three years before that was with the Maine Mariners. So, uh, you know, he really, he really cut his teeth in the organization before he before he moved on to being a big name nationally. And, uh, you know, he you know, he and he and Bill Clement were, you know, a, a tremendous pairing both nationally and locally. So, you know, I mean, uh, and having had the pleasure of, of meeting Doc on many occasions and interviewing him once uh, pretty extensively, it. Uh, you know, I can't say enough about the person. And you, if you talk to anybody, anybody who does play-by-play, -play, you know, in, in the NHL, um, really in other sports too, but but Doc is one of the titans of the business that everybody looks up to and everybody likes on a personal level. You know, it's, uh, you know, the Doc got to do, you know, he got to go out on his own terms in his own time. And, and uh, you know, he's here to enjoy, you know, all the accolades that have come in and all the respect that he's getting too. So that's, you know, so it's not, I mean, it, it, it's sad in that it's an, the end of an era, but I mean, it, it's a good thing in terms of, you know, Doc is, Doc is doing well. It's just, uh, you know, he just decided it was time. And, uh, you know, that, that point comes from, I guess, for, for everybody at some point. Um, you know, uh, one time I, one time I talked to Doc about who his own influences were, and it, this just boggles my mind. His biggest influence on the hockey side of things was uh, Bob Chase, who had a, 60-year broadcasting career with the Fort Wayne wow. Comets. You know, of course, Doc was Doc was from uh, Indiana, so he, he grew up listening to uh, to Bob Chase. I mean, that's that's just unbelievable to to broadcast for one team for 60 years. You know, like Vin Scully in baseball too. So, it, you know, I mean, Doc's had a Doc's had a fantastic career, and you know, I certainly wish him all the best. Yeah, he he's just he's always been such a gentleman, just such a nice man. Um, and look, you, you know when you, you meet some of the biggest personalities in anything and the, you know, the, the Titans, as you the word you use, um, that doesn't always mean that they're, they're the nicest people, but doc Emmerich, man, who is he just a gentleman? Um, Bill, any, any ideas on who can replace doc as the lead voice at NBC uh, for the NHL and NBC, or we'll see where the contract goes when that does expire. But uh, I mean, John Forslund, I know handled a lot of the duties uh, yeah. inside the bubble. Uh, and I know he, uh, was not renewed in Carolina, which was stunning to me. But is he the heir apparent to Doc Emmerich as the the voice of the NHL and NBC? I, I would think so. You know, and and John Forslund is a tremendous broadcaster on his Very own good. right. 
Yeah. He, as you said, I mean, he did he did much of the playoffs, you know, for uh, for NBC and and um, you know on on uh, the Doc Doc took over in the finals. Although he although Doc was actually broadcasting from home rather than from the bubble, and I, I would think that you know I would think that COVID and the just the travel considerations and all of those things weighed into it as well. If it is John Forslund, you know, it'll it'll be in good hands. He has a tremendous voice for the game and and really 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 knows the game too. So. You know, I, I think that I think that would be a fine choice. I, you know, he'll be he'll be involved in in some way, shape, or form. I know some people have have called for Gary Thorne. It's been a while since Gary Gary's done hockey, but but back in back in the years when it was an ESPN two was was Gary and actually Bill Clement was part of that broadcast team too as well. So I mean, they they will have some options, but I would think John Forslund would be right at the top of the list. Yeah, Gary is uh, my all time favorite. I mean, he, to me, he, look, they both capture the the environment let and they let the environment speak for itself when appropriate and gary and bill uh comment was a great one and everybody of course remembers that rangers run back in 94 which uh those two are along for the ride so we'll see where nbc goes with that uh bill free agency continues and some signings look the spigots never really opened on free agency this year uh to, to the extent that we're used to and certainly not in terms of dollars and term <laughs> uh, that we're used to seeing in the NHL. And that stands to reason. Uh, but with that being said, there, there are still some names out there. And, and a guy I got to ask you about is Mike Hoffman. Um, because when I look at Mike Hoffman, I see a bona fide 30 plus goal scorer. Uh, he's done it for many seasons where he's been basically right around that, that 30, 25 to 30, 35 range. And this year in 69 games, 29 goals, Mike Hoffman's not an old player. He's 30 at this point, but he still has game. He's unsigned. Why do you think he's unsigned? Is it term that he's looking for, AAV, or it, it, could there be something beneath the surface here? Well, you know, there there was the whole situation in Ottawa, of course, um, with uh, with the significant others of, of Mike Hoffman and uh, Eric Carlson, and I know, you know, I, I know that the Sympathy. I mean, it was it was really it was really from what I understand mainly between, you know, the the two wives, but it, it uh, you know, but it it kind of put Hoffman in a, in a in the middle of things, and you know, he was not a popular figure when he left Ottawa. I don't I don't know how much that factors into this point if it factored in at all. It just had it factored into why you know it was an untenable situation for him to stay with the Senators. Sure. But I, I don't know how much of that has to do with it. I, I think a piece of it. Is that so much? So much in hockey comes down to, especially, you know, does a guy have a reputation as being a complete player? You know, and and Mike Hoffman is still to this day fairly or unfairly known as a guy, very good goal scorer. If he's not scoring goals, doesn't bring you much else. But but by the same token, you know, every year he'll go out and he'll get you what twenty-seven to thirty plus goals, so he can pretty consistently. You know, those 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 guys don't grow on trees. Um, I think that I think that coming off of uh, you know a couple of years of 60 plus points, he had a 70 point year in there too somewhere. You know, I, I would think that maybe he was thinking he could get a little bit of term somewhere, and he's he's one of those guys who's looking at another at another one year kind of a deal. Um, I mean, listen, he could play on most most any team's power play. He, he's a guy who you know go out he'll go out and you know in a regular year he'll go out and get you 25 goals. So I, I think that. Uh, you know, I, I think that he's a player who will have a deal at some point, but he is one of those guys kind of in the middle 
who's not a superstar caliber player, but he gets a little bit squeezed in, in where the marketplace is now too. And it's funny, you know, go all the way back to, uh, geez, I guess it was 2008 ish. Um, he went, he went undrafted his first year, uh, you know, in the NHL draft and actually he was, he was a flyers invitee to camp, uh, in rookie camp, um, as, you know, as a tryout player. And, you know, that, that's the route where the Flyers ended up getting Phil Myers. They got, you know, Igor Zamula out of it. Um, you know, back in, back in 2008, he was here. Not here very long, though. You know, when they made, when they made the cuts at the end of rookie camp, he wasn't invited to stay on. And then the best thing that worked out for him, because he was playing in the queue at the time, and he had a big, you know, he had, he had a huge breakout year the next year um, in the queue. Um, so, you know, at that point, his second go around in the draft, Ottawa took him in the fifth round. So that, that all worked out for him. Um, you know, but sometimes, sometimes it's funny, you know, when you look, you look at a player like that and why did his name sound familiar? And it's because it's because he'd been in camp here years ago. Um, you know, is he the right fit for the Flyers right now? You know, that's how we tend to, the prism, we tend to look at things through, you know, might he come here? Um, you know, I, I mean, the Flyers, the Flyers, if you look at the roster, there's not a lot of open spaces in the lineup right now. But but if you could go go and get yourself a guy who can score 30 goals on a one-year deal at, at the right cap hit, you know, I, that's the guy who could come in and, and help a team that's looking for a little bit of goal scoring, you know, or, or other teams as well. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think he's going to be a guy who's going to be looking for a tryout come training camp. I just think he's a guy who's sitting and waiting for teams to, you know, figure out, Okay, you know how much more can we spend this off season? Are, are there any ways we create a little bit more cap space? And would he take a a one year contract, which is also which are also as teams are are looking ahead towards the uh, expansion draft, you know that would be uh, that'd be a consideration because he wouldn't be a guy you have to protect. So I, I think all that all that comes into play. And again, I I think that uh, I think well ahead of training camp, we'll we'll find out where he signs, whether it's for one year or for two years or whatever the case might be. Bill, um, Chuck Fletcher met with the media, and uh, I don't have the exact terminology, but he said trading, uh, basically trading cap space or dollars right now is very difficult. Uh, we've seen very little of these transactions to to dump salaries. We've seen a few. You know, Mark Andre Fleury is uh, still a member of Vegas right now, and maybe if Robin Lehner didn't have the surgery, they'd be willing to eat that, uh, at least half of that contract and, and ship him off. Um, but right now it, it's very difficult with the flat cap. And as you've mentioned, and I've mentioned, um, it's not going to be a flat cap for just one season. And you have the expansion draft looming as well. That has to be a consideration for all general managers and how they handle signing and uh, trading for players. Um, do, do you expect uh, the Flyers to go in kind of with what they have right now? We, we saw the signing of uh, Derek Pouliot, which is going to be kind of a swing situation for the former first-round pick of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, but we also saw the signing of Eric Gustafson. Um, but it, that doesn't necessarily fill the hole left in Matt Niskanen's uh, absence. But uh, do you expect that this is what the Flyers will go in with and keep that a little bit of that cap space uh, over $4.5 million right now without signing Phil Myers as this the way they entered the season and, and looked upgrade from there? I, I think that's a, a possibility that the team will go into the season as they are right now. I still think it's a, a possibility. However, the chain goss is there. It's moved. Um, I, I asked, you know, I asked Chuck if he's comfortable with both Goss and ghost in the same starting six. And, and he said, he said, yes. He said that, uh, you know, even though they're both offensive defensemen, they create offense in different ways. 
Uh, and and that is a possibility. You might you might even see you know you might even see Justin Braun moved up, and you know you go with you go with the four all situation guys and the, the third pair of your offensive guys. I mean teams have done that before. Um, that being said, I, I still think there's a significant possibility that there is at least one more move made on the blue line um, before the season would start. But I I think it is certainly a possibility that the Flyers could go in with what they have. And as, you know, as, as we alluded to a little bit earlier, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of open spaces on the roster right now. If you, if you look at that lineup, go line by line, you figure, you know, if you stick with the status quo, you have Giroux, Couturier, you know, and uh, Voracek as your first line. Um, Second line, you know, you have uh, Hayes and Konechny uh, are uh, fixtures there. Um, maybe Oscar Lindblom goes goes to that line. Maybe uh, you know, maybe Scott Lawton is on that line. Third line, assuming, assuming Nolan Patrick is back, that still is a big if. You know, you have JVR. You have Patrick hopefully coming back. You know, you have um, Joel Farabee, and he would possibly be a guy also who might fit in that second line mix somewhere. You still have Michael Roffel. Um, you know, it's possible you might see Lawton as, as the fourth line center. You might see, you know, someone like Connor Bonneman as a, as a possibility there, or that you know, there there are some possibilities for fourth line center. And you have Abe Kubel. So those are those are all your forwards. And you know, there's going to be injuries. There are going to be some surprises in there. But there's not really, you know, there's not really a ton of room for for guys to squeeze onto the roster. You might see Tanner Lashinsky. You might see Lena Sandin. You, you might see Wade Allison figure into the picture at some point. You might see Morgan Frost figure into the picture at some point. But in terms of adding a guy from the outside, unless it's a significant piece that you might consider moving around your starting lineup picture, you know, there's really there's really not too much space. The roster looks pretty well set with what they're going to go into the season with. Now, could there be changes in season? Certainly. Could there could there be other changes before the season starts, that's also possible. But it's also it's also entirely possible that they go into the season basically how they look now, evaluate how things are going, and then, you know, maybe you make some changes along the way. Uh, the situation with Patrick Line is still looming, Bill. Uh, the agent said they have not asked for a trade. In my experience, when an agent says we haven't asked for a trade, you maybe haven't said, I want my player to be traded, but can you trade my player? <laughs> Because the situation's not working. Um, it was in the oddest way. We're not asking for a trade, but you know, it might be in your best interest and our best interest if you might want to think about it. You yeah, know, that was kind of the message. I mean, so. and you want to look at it and get and look. The player doesn't want to look like they're forcing their way out of anywhere because that yeah. that's not good for the team trying to trade him and the team. You know that it's a red flag. Uh, but we're not naive to the fact that when, when an agent says that to me, there's been a conversation about trading the player and, and it's been obvious uh, and he's still available. Uh, the Flyers are through some uh, credible reporting are still one of those teams in that mix along with Columbus and perhaps even the Islanders. And uh, so, so when you look at this, uh, is line a still an option for the Flyers? Was he ever an option? And do you believe that he is still an option for, for Chuck Fletcher who, Maybe looking to make a really big splash in some sort of trade with the Winnipeg Jets. Well, I, I think that yes, it, it is possible. When you hear some of the names that, that supposedly were in the asking price, which was extremely high, you know, you have at a certain point you have to you have to think, okay, you know, are we subtracting too much? You know, are, are we trading too much value? 
in return for you know for getting getting a guy who's who's an excellent goal scorer, no no question about it. But let's you know let's say you're trading a top six forward, a top four defenseman, and probably a high end draft pick. You know, is that is that uh, you know is that a, is that the right trade for the both the short term and the long term? I mean, I can't I can't answer that. Only the general manager can answer that. You know, he views that as, as the right way to go. But trading you know trading for Liney, you're going to have to trade a lot of value in return. I mean, one of the things too that made the Flyers one of the teams in position to be able to do it is, you know, uh, Elliot Friedman and others have alluded to this. The Flyers have young players that other teams want to get. So, you know, who, who they would be interested in, but do you, do you, you know, how many young players do you package? You know, again, to get a guy, a top six forward and a a top four defenseman and a top draft pick. That's a, that's a lot to trade for, you know, a guy who brings you a lot of goals and I don't know what else he, what else he brings, but if he gets you 50, you, you know, you overlook, you overlook some, you know, you overlook some negatives in this game if, if you're getting if you're getting you know 45, 50 goals out of him. That's uh, that's still that's still the potential thing though because he's only had you know he, he's had one 40 goal season. He's only only 22, so there should be more to come from him. But um, you know, I, I don't know personally speaking. If you're trading that many pieces to get to get line A, I would like to see you know if you're trading that many pieces, I'd like to see line A plus coming back for. You know, multiple pieces like that. If if it's if it's three top assets for for one or along those lines, I think that's a little too much too much ask. Well, one of the things he does bring though, Bill, is a ton of excitement. And you know, fans, yeah. you you can never. I, I've always said this: you can't make moves to placate a fan base because if you do that, you're going to end up sitting with them really quick. Um, and y- you look at him, and he's a shiny new toy that does something really special that. You know, not only that, I mean, he helps the power play, obviously, tremendous, tremendously with the finishing ability and his ability to shoot the puck. But uh, a ton of excitement in, in a really weird time for teams in professional sports. Uh, should that be a part of the equation, though, in this very unique circumstance where when when fans are allowed back in the building and you know, we still have unemployment rates and people are a little bit more careful with their money, uh, he's a spectacle that people will go see. Jerseys would fly off the racks with that number uh, I guess 29 and uh, Patrick Line's name on the back of it in a Flyers jersey, they would fly. Um, is that a part of the equation for Chuck Fletcher? I think I think if it is, it's a it's a small piece. I, I would think that uh, you know what's best for the hockey team winning in in the long term, mm-hmm. you know, would would be the primary consideration. But I mean, yeah, by by all means, if you can get a player who's uh, you know would bring in a lot of excitement and a big name and you know, and and uh, as you said, the jerseys would fly off the shelves, and it would be, you know, bringing would bring some people into the stands when 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 they're allowed back in the stands. You know, I, I think that 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 certainly would be a would be a nice thing to get, and potentially spending a, a lot of years in you know in Philadelphia as a you know as a top goal scorer. If you if you were to look at who who are the best pure shooters, you know, take everything else out, the best shooters in the NHL. I would say there's only two guys I would put above him. You know, I would put OV. Ovechkin on and Stamkos. Yeah, and and then then Line is probably right there too because that guy can sure shoot the puck. You know, and not not yeah. just the one timer from the top of the circle where he can score a lot of goals that way. He can score goals a bunch of different ways. You yeah. know, that's uh, yeah. I mean, he's only scratched the surface of what he can do in that regard. Yeah, and and look, the other part of this too is you know when when you look at you know an addition 
like line A, you know, what would this fan base do if they have the goaltender in Carter Hart and the sniper in line A? What is everybody going to complain about? <laughs> you know, <laughs> those are like the two laments of the, the hockey fan base in Philadelphia, right? We never had the goalie. We never have a, even though they had John LeClaire, uh, you know, who sure. was a pure goal scorer and just tremendous the, the way he, I mean, the numbers he put up for those years were incredible five seasons. Uh, but I mean, what would the lament be then? You know, <laughs> it'd be crazy. <laughs> yeah. The, the defense is too thin. It'll be something. Yeah. yeah. And then and it's every fan base everywhere. You know? Yeah. Andrew McDonald. They'll go back to that, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Bill, uh, Nolan Patrick signed his qualifying offer. Um, with the Flyers, eight hundred, eight a little north of eight hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. Was that really the the only route that he could go? Was it just the qualifying offer, and he had to accept it, or could there have been a negotiation there? Are you surprised by how that played out? Not really. You know, um, he, he was a, a special category of restricted free agent uh, because he missed this entire season, um, but his but his entry level deal was expired. He was technically a restricted free agent, but he really only has two years of pro hockey in because he wasn't available from day one of training camp through the end of the season. So the, under the category of free agent, which in the collective bargaining agreement, it's uh, 10-2-C, he was a free agent, but he couldn't negotiate with any other team but Philadelphia. So he couldn't sign an offer sheet anywhere else. He could only negotiate with the Flyers. Missing a whole year, you know, there's not a lot of leverage there. And also his first two years, while there were certainly um, – you know, flashes of a lot of upside. There wasn't consistency. There wasn't really that breakthrough year yet. So I really, he didn't really have a, a ton of negotiating room. Uh, I mean, you know, he could have said no to any contract offer. He's not arbitration eligible yet either. So you don't have to accept any offer. Uh, and you do have, I supposedly, you know, or theoretically the leverage to go to Europe or something like that. But, but I mean, real, realistically, no, it's, it's a proven contract. He would be a, a restricted free agent again after the season. And if he has a breakthrough year, then, you know, then he'll get his long-term extension and significantly more money. So no, it, it didn't surprise me that he, that he just took the, um, you know, he just took the qualifying offer and then they'll, you know, they'll reevaluate after this, this next season. Yeah. And, and he's been participating in some scrimmages uh, there in Western Canada, uh, which is good news. Uh, have you gotten any reports on how he's performed in these uh, said scrimmages? Well, it's, you know, I, it's weird to call it summer hockey in, in October, but that's base, basically what it is. You know, they have, you know, Minnesota, they have uh, the Beauty League, right? Uh, Ryan White runs scrimmages with guys who've been who've been pros and, and that kind of thing up uh, you know, up in Manitoba. He, I think the most important thing is that he reports he feels fine. You know, he, he feels he feels pretty good. So that's uh, that's the biggest thing. The next step is to get him to uh, Voorhees before camp would start and then get him in some, some competition drills, get, get some contact and then see where it goes too. because, you know, basically, basically these off season leagues, you know, it's, uh, it, it's more for fun and it's more for fun and to get your skating legs in shape than anything else. You know, you don't, you don't worry how many goals the guys score. They all tend to score anyway. So that's, uh, you know, but, but I think, I think the most important thing is that he's feeling better. He hasn't reported any setbacks, and there there is a plan to get him in in time for camp and see where it goes. So that's uh, you know it's a it's cautious optimism, but it's finally some real optimism. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's a great way to put it. I, I was thinking the same thing that, that none of this can be a bad thing 
in my opinion, but you're right. Ultimately, the rubber meets the road when he gets in camp. Doctors get a look at him, and they put him in some competition drills, take contact, and see how he responds to that. Phil Myers uh, is an RFA, Bill. His contract extension, uh, is this one going to look, not number-wise, but maybe term-wise, like Ivan Provorov's, or is it more likely to look like Travis Sanheim's? I think it'll be more like Travis Sanheim's. Yeah. Um, you know, this, this year, Phil was still, although he spent time with the the Flyers season before, he was still technically a rookie this past year, you know, and, and Travis got in, you know, Travis got in more NHL games over his, over his first uh, few seasons. Um, I, I think Phil, I think Phil will get a, probably a bridge deal. I would say probably a two year deal. I, I don't think it'll be a real long-term extension like Ivan Provorov's. I mean, the Flyers might be happy to do that because it'll be at a, be at a more cost controlled figure, but I, I think he'll, I think it'll be more of a, more of a bet on himself. Signed for two years, I would say probably a little south of what uh, of what Sandheim signed for. Um, if you know, and, and Max, it would be similar. And then you know, see where see where it is two years from now when he's eligible for arbitration and he would be a restricted free agent again. Yeah, and he wants to capitalize when the market's going up and you have certainty, yeah. uh, like a lot of these, uh, you know, the situation right now with this free agency you're seeing it as well. Yeah, I could see somewhere around like two point eight to three three million per for two years, that, that seems something that would make sense to me when yeah. it comes to Phil. And, and I think that's a, that's a really good price for what you're getting. Uh, I think it's fair on both sides and we'll see how that plays out. Well, Bill, we certainly covered a, a lot of ground in, in this uh, appearance on Flyers Daily. Hopefully we're going to start to get some news out of the NHL office and the, a, a new return to play committee and the NHLPA at, uh, regarding a timeline as to when this all might get started. And Hopefully we'll be getting that information soon and we'll start preparing for the 2021 season. Thanks for doing this as always, and uh, we'll definitely talk soon. Good stuff today. Thanks to Bill Meltzer for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. We'll have another brand new episode for you coming up on Friday as the offseason in the NHL continues. In the meantime, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on Friday's episode of Flyers Daily. Down the street, you can hear a scream. You're a disgrace. And she slams the door in his drunken face. And now he stands outside. And all the neighbors start to gossip and drool. He cries, oh girl, you must be mad. What happened to the sweet love?